Welcome, 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 welcome to the comic. Welcome back to the Comic Zone presents Dragon D's Balls, motherfuckers. You know, I'm sorry, emo kids, this is not the Black Parade, this is Death Parade. And just like what my father should have done in January of 1992, we're wrapping this bitch up. I have myself, Vince, Mike, Chelsea, and Scott. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's up, gay? guys? Yeah. Not yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was watching the NASCAR episode of South Park. Fuck you, Danny Patrick. The, yeah. <laughs> Is that that you are my flame? Diligently, my, my flame, my muse. That's what Vince always says when he pisses me off. That shit's so funny. Though. My muse, my flame. You are my flame. Apply <laughs> diligently. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. I tell him I'm gonna diligently. set him on fire. <laughs> diligently, <laughs> <laughs> every day. Yeah, every. Day. She's just standing there like <laughs> Yeah. Just fuck. completely mortified. Steals a fucking race car. <laughs> <laughs> him and butters. That's gay as hell. Yeah. That's gay as hell. <laughs> you, I'm you, making another left turn. Well that's gay yeah, as I hell. I could turn better left than you. <laughs> and then the doctor, you've got three sparkly clean vaginas. In <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> his stomach, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I'm drinking the veg still. <laughs> Oh, that is fuck. a funny fucking episode. Yeah, it is. It's a good one. It's a classic. Yeah. So what's going on, guys? We yep. finished the uh, the season of Death Parade, and we had all seen it before except for Scott. Yep. Um, you have... You had never seen it before? Nope. Nope. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So we get a first reaction, too. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's fun, too, because I, you know, we watched it. I think shortly after, like, the dubbed had come out, um, it actually had dropped on Netflix where we watched it out. We didn't even watch it on Funimation. It was on Netflix for a minute. And um, that's where we ended up watching it. And so it's been probably, like, five or six years since we did watch it the one time. And so now I definitely have a lot more thoughts and opinions and different observations of it this time around now that I'm well, excited to discuss more towards the end. What was kind of fun with us going through this experience that I didn't even tell you about, but since we had watched it like five years ago and we're watching it now again, it was kind of cool because I was getting memories almost like they were throughout the show. Yeah, of like what's going <laughs> to happen. I was like, oh, you know, I think this is what happened or I'd look at him and be like, isn't this what happened to this person? You know, kind of thing. Like you slowly, like you said, kind of get those memories back yeah, of kind of funny. I so, was like, oh, so Scott, was what was your initial, um, I guess overall just response to it. And then I know we'll talk more about the end and kind of discuss. Um, so I'll try and uh, break it down into a few different ways. Uh, in terms of the art style, the music, the aesthetics, I liked that. I thought the intro yeah. song and the outro song were good, although the intro, like, um, I don't know, like uh, scene or, or montage, you know, has nothing to do with the show. They're all like dancing and shit. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of undermines the tone of what you're going for. Um, I liked the show. It, like I would give it a six or seven out of ten. It didn't blow my mind, and I personally felt that in a lot of ways, it seems like a very inefficient look at what the afterlife could be in a way. Because I'm like, 
Really? You need these people without emotions, without human experiences to judge humans. And... I think that's the point. Is like They went with the most efficient thing possible, and it, it doesn't account for human emotion and shit. And that's like the point of what they're trying to make, I think. Is yeah, that that's they, one it of is, the points. Yeah. It is fucking flawed in a huge way, because these guys don't know what it's like to be a person. And then, yeah, can you really judge... A person based on how they react in a game under stress. Yeah, in what they think is a life or death situation. Exactly. And then, so can you really judge them on their uh, reactions and then the revelations that pile onto them out of nowhere? You know what I mean? Well, so and even the detective, you know, he. That was good. Yeah. That was very yeah. good. And he even, um, doesn't he kind of make that point? To them, too, of a human, when you are put, you know, in a dark situation, let's say even like if we were all thrown into like a Hunger Games type of situation, you don't know where you would personally go to try to survive. Because, you know, I mean, me, I'm I am not a violent person by any means. I'm not really an angry person or, you know, I have a very long fuse. But if I was put into a situation where it's my life or theirs, who knows how I would react, you know? Well, and, and and then how do you take, for example, the kid that with the detective? Mm -hmm. Like, in general, he was a very good person, an incredibly good person. He took care of his sister. He snapped worked, after one moment. Worked his ass off and then, uh, you know, and then took revenge on somebody that, you know, uh, hurt her. That was his entire reason. That was his for whole being. life. So you know, was you, taking care of can, her. Is he a bad person? I I would say no. Right. Exactly. Whereas even with the detective, you know, he's a very I'd say like Dexter type character. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where he, when his wife got murdered, he decided he was going to take matters into his own hands of you know people that he deemed were bad and broke the law. And he was going to go kill them instead. It's like he almost kind of like released that dark part of himself when he went and killed his wife's murderer. It's like he he kind of snapped in a way and he went down that dark path. Whereas that kid snapped in one moment and I don't think he would have ever killed anybody ever well, again he, after I mean, that. But he took revenge on, on the cop for not saving her. So, I mean... I don't know if he snapped in one moment necessarily uh, because he did plan like killing the guy and whatever that raped his sister or whatever. Well, but I don't think he would have ever thought of murdering somebody until <clears throat> no, that no. happened to his sister. He and, then... and actually, I mean, I think the cop is like a representation of who he could possibly turn into because of this. Exactly. Because well, yeah. the, the, you know, the detective is even almost kind of trying to train him or teach him in a way during he that entire too. time yeah he's not asking for forgiveness or any kind of leniency he's like he's trying to show that kid that he's like you're not doing anything wrong bro he's like and i deserve he knows fully well that just standing there and watching was fucked but in his own twisted sense of justice he had to see the crime happen in order to Exact to, revenge. Right, to punish him right. as he thought was necessary. And he you knows know? that's wrong. And he's like, yeah, I deserve to be fucked up for that. He's like, but I couldn't 
cross that line without knowing uh, absolutely for sure. Right, without knowing. Because hadn't he just, they had the cases of different chicks, but that was the first time he actually saw the guy actually assault and harm someone. And then he went, okay, I have my proof now. And even when the kid kills the detective, you know, he doesn't know that he actually is a detective that was there you know, trying to stop this dude. He just stabs him thinking that, oh, he's part of it. Yeah, that he was a part of it when in reality, I mean, he was, but he wasn't, you know, and then, and ultimately that kid, you know, he ends up dying in his act of revenge. As Vince uh, described it, what would you call it? It was like, what? Wait, uh, what was it again? When they're all stabbing each other, you know? Oh, like the SNL skit. Mm, What'd What'd you say? say? (laughs) (laughs) It totally was. Like, I was like, this is just mm, what you say. He's like his dear sister, you know? Like, everybody's just killing each other. They're all dying, being stabbed, you know? I remember the first time you and I saw that. We were just laughing. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my entire life. (laughs) It's a funny fucking skit. But, I mean, this show does have, like, a good, I would say, moral message, too. Like, at the end, uh, Deckham says, you know, he's like, if you, you know, when you're reincarnated, live, you know, a lot of people want to live their life after they're dead when they've made a mistake or whatever he's like so live with this knowledge now don't forget and live your life you know actually live your life right well and you know part of it shows the flaw in the system again because they uh then um what's her name the ponytail or braid chick like the white haired chick nona what nona so she assigns that fangirl to uh to ginty yep in an attempt to give him a little perspective and it did not work out i say that whole situation is pretty janked when you think it is super messed up but it shows exactly the point of the show that i think they were trying to make is that it is completely flawed that system because it i mean he had every reason to reincarnate her she was a good person and he still Sent her into the void. You know why he sent her into the void? Because to be I, with What's-His-Face. No, that wasn't it. Because I, I had to do my research on it. Because I was like, okay, like, why did he end up doing that? And he was, because we see the mask flip when he puts her in the elevator. And I think up until she essentially told him that she only lived her life for um, Harada, I think that's when he decided that... She wasn't worth reincarnating. She could stay. She He had already sent Harada to the void, even though she didn't know that. He was still judging her when, oh, here's what I wanted to point out to you guys. So the photograph of the young man that he shows her that he says, okay, so it can either be his soul or Harada's. The guy in the photograph that he shows her is Light from Death Note. Yep. In his bar. That is who he shows her. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Why? I didn't notice that, but cool. Because it's showing you. A lot of people think that they tied in Death Note to show you that Light, even though he thought he became a god and everything, was still going to get judged. Just he went like, to the void. Yep. He still got judged just like the rest of us. So that was kind of an interesting little nod that they put in there. But even in the end. So she gave, you're saying dude gave her the option to bring back what's his name or Light? No, none of them would have been brought back. He was no. Pure- I, I'm. Ju- I get that it wasn't. It was all a facade. But he. That was the 
choice he gave her? I think, yes. Yeah, that was the choice he gave her was you can bring back to life this person or give Harda back his soul so he doesn't go into the void. She was willing to sacrifice some rando for this Harda dude. And when Ginty finds out that she's like, yeah, the only reason I live. So in essence, it's selfish. Yeah, Yeah, it was very selfish. Like she wouldn't do that for everybody, just him. Just him. And so I think when he saw that and realized that she only lived her life for Harada, that's when he decided you're not worth being reincarnated. You and him, his soul can live in the void together then. Because I think he would have reincarnated her up until she told him that. And that's when he made the switch. But it's super interesting that he makes the... um, as they call them, they are the um, like Kakeshi dolls. He has his own way of preserving the people that he's judged, just like Deckham. Yeah, he collects it, the dolls and yes, of and the it mannequins. makes it makes me wonder if all arbiters have their own way of preserving humans that they found admirable, like Deckham does, and like Ginty, you know. Hmm. So if we, I'm so sorry, everybody, if we could take a quick. Uh, uh, pause here uh, we have a microphone stand that is slipping <laughs> so we just gotta oh, fix on. this real quick i think it's because it's on that little center support well while they're doing that i wanted to touch on something that i thought was interesting so obviously when people think of reincarnation one of the religious systems of thought most commonly associated with that would be buddhism right right and what was interesting is how they went diametrically in the exact opposite direction because the whole point of nirvana is to break the cycle of reincarnation, dissolve the ego, and ascend into, I don't want to say the void, but into a sense of being where the ego and the self are no longer what they were, right? Now, obviously, I'm not an expert in Buddhism, so I probably butchered that. But I thought it was interesting how Buddhism sees reincarnation as, in a way, kind of a punishment because you're constantly going to be just re-suffering and the goal is to break that cycle. And yet, in this universe, the good people get to suffer in reincarnation and the bad people get thrown into the void. And I think it's funny because to achieve nirvana in a Buddhist sense, all I'd have to do is be a serial killer and... <laughs> Yay, Nirvana! <laughs> yeah, but but they're... well, I mean, Nirvana. I mean, they they do say in the void you're uh, trapped there and like reliving all the worst things that ever happened to you over and well, over again. Yeah, so you, it's not like you just you feel like you're falling constantly and yeah. you're stuck with your worst emotions, fear exactly. and anger and so sorrow. It's not Nirvana and... by any means. Well, it's not. But yeah. you know what I mean of like to break uh, the idea of breaking that cycle. That that's, I find that interesting. That in a way. And there, there, is, there no, is no like heaven or nirvana. Yeah, there's no like uptick. Either you suffer with your own memories in the void, or you suffer through reincarnation. There, like, there's really no. Well, Nona even says it that living, you like, is to suffer essentially. Like, yeah. well, and that's another good point of it's. I think the best system that they could set up is what they had going with what's her face. And Deckham, if they could keep a human there judging as an arbiter alongside a, you know, logical, uh, emotionless arbiter. I mean, you don't want humans judging humans alone. But so you have one of each and they both judge together. And I think that is a way better system because then you have at the end of the judgment, you have both of them uh, adding their input. And like, so 
Deckham could maybe make a bad decision, right? But then get she'd give him a little perspective and be like, no, 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 this is not what you think. You have to look a little deeper than that. You know what I think, though, is that um, I... So when it comes to the Arbiters, they say that they have no emotions, they're just dummies, this and that. Obviously, we know that Nona put human emotions into Deckham, but I want to point out Quinn and Ginty. So Quinn was the gal that ran the bar before Deckham overtook it, and she has a very... Is that, okay, real quick. Yes. Was that the chick that was in there in the room full she's of wine got, glasses? Yes. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. She's got the thing yeah. She's got, got the thing. She puts together, like, the stained glass memories okay, is what ahead. she does. Sorry. So when she is an arbiter, you know, she's very um, kind of, I'd say, lively and boisterous, loves, you know, real human alcohol, kind of has that personality to her. And then you have... Ginty, who him himself, he is very, I would say, angsty and aggressive. Like he's got an underlying. He's I'd say he's not a good judge, and he hates no. humans. Yeah. He does, and so to me, these people are supposed to be emotionless, and really, the only one that comes across that way is Deckham. Ginty has these kind of angry emotions. Quinn is kind of the extroverted type, and so I think it's bullshit that they say they don't have emotions. To well, start like, with. like Scott said, he is a horrible judge because he is incredibly biased. Yeah, he is. He hates he, humans. He he's thinks just they're trying all... to punish people before he sends them into the void. I guarantee he doesn't send that many people to be reincarnated. That's what I think right. too. I think he. I would say probably like. I'd say, you know, like eight times out of ten, he probably sends them to the void. You know, I think it's probably a huge ratio kind of thing well yeah and on top of that too i mean it's it like you're saying ginty he rules his judgments with emotion so it doesn't make sense but maybe that is i i don't know maybe it's supposed to be some kind of creative directive to maybe show that humans can be emotionless as well and Deckham has to learn them. I, I don't know. See, one of my biggest problems with the show is really I felt that a lot of these big questions, I felt it only approached somewhat superficially. Like, I really do feel there was a much bigger question to be asked about the nature of arbiters, the nature of arbitration itself, how it can be improved, how the system is flawed and corrupt. All well, and of these I think things. But, don't you, but don't you think they covered all I of that? I think that's Not what... Not really. No- I don't think they acknowledged it enough. I personally. think they acknowledged that Nona was starting to experiment. And I think yeah, that's why but- the Oculus guy in the end, he could have stopped her from doing all of that. And even at the very end, he just says he's going to keep an eye on her. So I think well, but he-, he adds that extra rule at the end too, with that scene with him and the pool cues that uh, I can't remember what the rule was, but he added an extra rule. They hadn't mentioned before. Hmm. He right. did. And I don't remember what it is, but I even yeah, wonder I'd to, if I'd have to look, but it was extra. Cause I don't remember hearing it any other time in the show. So it felt to me like he was just adding an extra rule to stamp down any kind of change. Well, and I, I feel like, the reason they kept it that way and they wanted it to be as pure as possible and it's like a very it's almost like a system an ai would create you know what i mean yeah does that make sense like it would it would be very logical and they tried to make it very black and white and they realize there's too many shades of gray when it comes to judging exactly it's like um 
like an AI could never understand like human emotion because it's never going to have human emotions and neither are these arbiters or whatever. I mean, maybe they can learn emotion. Yeah. Well, one thing I thought was interesting is a visual cue. And I don't know if this is me reading into something, but it was interesting when Deckham was having kind of his emotional breakdown that his eyes no longer had that cross symbol in them. They like broke for a minute. Yeah. And I think it just showed him experiencing I think he became humanity. Hu- I for think a so. I think he experienced I think he became human in that split second that he finally felt sorrow for Chi and putting her through that final situation to where he felt like he could truly judge her then. And that's like at the end of the episode, then that right there, the implications of that are really quite large when you want to think about it as, as to, okay, what are arbiters now? And it's just like, nope. (laughs) <laughs> at the end. Well, because the Oculus guy, I think he it's claimed... supposed to be left to your. I mean, well, oh yeah. And your complaint with that is a lot of people's online, and that's why like Madhouse Animation does have a bad rep for that of making yeah. like an awesome first season of something and not taking it another season further to give it any more context or weight. Yeah. Now um, I, I want to stress that like I love Neon Genesis Evangelion, which had an ending that caused Hideko Anno to get death threats. So, I mean, you know, it's not death the word. Threats? Yeah, seriously. The ending of Neon Genesis Evangelion, because of how he ended it, pissed people off. Well, how did he would... it end? I don't want to spoil it if you're going to watch it. <laughs> I'm not going to watch all of it. I have seen it before. I just uh, don't so, remember. basically, the last. So. You have a buildup of the angels attacking Earth and the, oh, what's it called? Basically, their version of Armageddon, but I don't remember the name of it. They call it something. Uh, but anyway, basically, Armageddon ending, like the whole world getting fucked, and then the last few, three episodes are in Shinji's head talking about what the nature of the self and personhood is. So all that big shit doesn't even get touched. So every, everybody gets fucked, and then it's just a... You They're like, think, it was all in his head. But the last three episodes are. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's how, which that is such a cop out to me when people decide to end shows or movies or whatever, being like, that was all in their head. And you're like, it uh. wasn't that it was all in his head as an illusion. It's that all the things that happened in the external world no longer got answered or resolved. Mm-hmm. So it's and not it just that he's... all ends, but that's how real life is, though. Kind of, yeah. It's I like mean, sometimes he made just... a movie. What was funny is, so after all his death threats, he made a movie called End of Evangelion where he expands the ending and then ends it the same fucking way as a big middle finger to people. So, <laughs> Which is a great movie. The animation for that time is fantastic. Well, and the thing is, you know, when it comes to somebody's, their art, you know, their, their creative outlet, you know, writing, movies, TV show, whatever... They are allowed to end it however they oh, want to. You know, I mean, it's they're the creator. It's yeah, it's not that I don't appreciate ambiguity in an ending. It's what it's more for me. The problem I have with the ending to this is it's disappointing because I felt that there was so much untapped potential. And yeah. I, that's why I'm mad about the ending. It's not because I didn't think the ending was like incapable of like of resolving some of the things going on it's just i felt there were so many larger questions and so much areas that you could richly explore that the creators just decided they were going to recuse themselves of and that's fine but and i agree with that to an extent because like oculus you know i don't like that they give him kind of an antagonist feeling but you he doesn't really do anything he That's just bad. comments. But he's just, you know, he's kind of seen as this kind of ominous figure within the Arbiters. With his creepy and, eyeballs. And, well, he's the yeah. guy that, you know, he's 
you I know, know he's the boss the guy man. that's keeping shit in line and right but i but that's like the complaints a lot online with death parade is you know a lot of people are like god we need a season two there's got to yeah. be a season two to add more well to it's it. like devil is a part-timer if any of you guys have ever seen that it's a great show and it's one of those like the ending to season one is fine but there's so much richer like just so much left untouched that we need a season two. Well, and I agree right. with that too, with death parade to a certain extent, like would I love a season two. Yes. But I feel like I don't really know. Necess- I mean, yes, it did leave some unanswered questions, but I also feel like it wasn't too bad of an ending because I think no. they get to a point where they go, okay, we need to study more. We need to do more research on the arbiters and human emotions and, and the complexity Two human beings, you know, and so that's kind of just how the ending goes to me is they finally get to a point of it's not just black and white anymore. There were so many shades of gray throughout that they realized it it can't stay that way. To give it a historical example, what Death Parade reminds me of is Martin Luther nailing the 95 Theses on the door, starting the Protestant Reformation and then ending before we actually get to see how the Reformation starts to play out. In a way, you know what I mean? Because they recognize there's a problem with their system. They recognize there's need for room for reform and experimentation, but we don't get to see the fruits of that later down the road. Yeah. Okay, I get what you're saying then. It would yeah. be it would be interesting to see, you know, each arbiter and more arbiters than just two. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. because we get, you know, Deckham who... And there has is, to be a hundred, like, that, you know. Yeah, they, well, they said they that there's 90 this. floors. We know at least of 90 floors mm-hmm. in and that. Deckham's on 15. Yeah, yeah, Deckham's on 15, and Ginty is on number 20. So it's like. It would be interesting to know the structure of that. And, yeah. Like, they don't, they very, they do leave that really open to interpretation. Like, how, how does this entire purgatory thing actually function? Well, and I want to know and what, what are, what's the differences in the different floors. Do you get well, different types well, of people? I, I feel I like it's too. the difficulty in cases. That's why, like Deckham shit himself when he's like, "Hey, we have somebody here that's we have murderers." Somebody. Yeah, he oh, never. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to be there. No, right. he wasn't supposed to deal with murderers, and they're like, "Well, the other ones are busy." So it, it does make me well, wonder no. too. So maybe at, they specialize in different de- kinds of deaths. Well, even look at Ginty's case with you know the two people he had. That is a lot more of a intricate like situation even i feel like than most of the ones that deckham goes through so i feel like it's more of the intricacy and harder like what would be harder to judge and maybe the higher the the floor of course i don't know the very first one we see with the husband and wife was one hell like that was a great first fucking episode it, was, like, it was that was a i mean they that was throw a tricky you one. into it that really was a tricky one because you don't even find out was she lying did she actually have a one night right. stand chelsea felt like she maybe did have that actual one night stand, but I, like regretted it That's completely. That's the, the take I got off of it. Right. She did re- do it. She did regret but it. But then used that guilt and to take away any kind of uh, guilt that he felt. Like she put it all on herself and then made it, blew it up to, into something that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But she mm-hmm. used the guilt from that one night stand to also, give to her f- husband to fuel that like embroiled speech about how could he, you know, all that shit. Well, she wanted to give her husband peace in a sense, so he wouldn't feel that guilt over killing exactly. them, even though he did. Yeah, she she didn't want him to, I guess, essentially end his purgatory 
with that guilt and that sorrow. So yeah. she spun also, it. Also, great performance. So I watched the dub, and it was awesome to listen to Maki say curry. Smell. I know and that, it was. Yeah. And then you totally have Michael was. J. Tatum on that one episode where the he, he's playing the chick, and they're doing the like Street Fighter game. That's that Weiss and cool. Bulma. Yep, that's yeah. their voices. Yep. yep, and it was so weird to me too because I'm hearing Bulma, you know being all angsty and beating the fuck out of her assistant and stuff and so yeah. and even with the makase kurisu it was funny because you know we had just watched Steins that's what, yeah that's yeah and listening to her talk though i was like man i want to watch it again like yeah you know it just it, it's fun when you hear those other voices that you know playing different characters i always find it interesting because you know we're so used to seeing them as one specific one that we love and then hearing them do other voices is always very interesting to me. Right. Yeah. Fun, um, I'm not sh- 100%, but like uh, one of the voice actors in um, Cowboy Bebop, uh, I think he's now a voice actor for the Old Spice commercials on YouTube because I'm like, oh, that voice sounds familiar to me, but I could be wrong. I haven't looked into that. But I'm always looking up the voices of characters because I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've heard this person before, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, it was it was interesting with Death Parade you know, to get those other voices from animes that we love. And this is you know. why I love meeting voice actors. I've met several different voice actors in anime and they're always fun to meet. Oh, I bet they would be. I think that would be, I think it'd be an awesome job to have. Yeah. I wish we had people around us that so we could get onto the, the podcast and shit and talk to them. Yeah. It'd be, that'd be one of the, that'd be such a, Great. You should reach out to that one chick that remembered your name. <laughs> Wendy Powell. Yeah, yeah, Wendy Powell. So you know, have you ever seen Full Metal Alchemist or Brotherhood? Mm-hmm. You both, know Envy? Both of them. I got to hear her in an auditorium go, Scott, help me out. Oh, like nice. I was like, oh, yeah. Scotty got to dress up as Goku and do like a skit with her nice. at yeah, a convention. Dude, she was and awesome, man. I, I, didn't you message her on Facebook once, too, and she wrote you back? And Well, yeah, I, I just was like, you know, thanks for, you know, great time and all that. Some blo- blossoming love there. <laughs> She's married. Quite a bit older than me. But <laughs> Nothing's written say, in stone. Scott, that you have some. Play your cards, right? <laughs> you say you have some envy there yeah i love her performance in full metal alchemist yeah dude sure. that's another show you could consider doing claymore would be another one you guys should watch she's in that as well by the way yeah full metal alchemist is great to me uh i'll just, just forever of... think about the memes with the dog and the daughter and like that's yeah. all i can ever think about yeah that is a messed up part and actually <laughs> Uh, the original show doesn't follow the manga. It does in parts. It has it more par- partially, but yeah. in Brotherhood, it's the same story told again. So it's not like a season two. It's like telling the story as the manga did. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I will say uh, that the manga did better. Oh yeah, the uh, Brotherhood far. is way better. Some yeah. of, they they get fantastic. a little off the rails in uh, the original show. I mean, it starts to not make sense in places and kind of yeah i mean i still enjoy it's like too the much they try to add things that don't need to be there and mm-hmm. and sometimes that happens but if there was one thing the original does do better than brotherhood is it some of those moments like nina turning into a dog or the revelation oh, yeah. of wrath and the death of the first greed and all that it handles those scenes better 
than Brotherhood. Brotherhood in, just in like kinda, an emotional sense. Yeah, because it takes its time with it. Whereas Brotherhood's like you've already been here, you know this, and it just flies right through. You get like one to two episodes with Nina and the dog. You get like three or four in the original. Yeah, and that is a like as fucked up and kind of funny the memes are. That's super. It's a super messed up. Yeah. In, oh, in it, the it, is. it hits harder. It is so fucked up. So okay. So not to like totally change the subject. <clears throat> excuse me. But speaking. <laughs> well, no. Speaking of messed up stuff, though, I really wanted to know what all of you thought of the suicide tour episode of Death Parade with Chi. When she goes and sees oh, yeah. her mom grieving and we she should talks. talk about. I feel like we really should because I think they really wanted to drive home. The point is that the like even that guy that killed himself and didn't get to tell his stepmom that mm. he loved her in this and that. It, they really drive home the point of, of all the people affected around you that are still but alive. That's- completely true though well, like it I, said, is. Uh, I was just gonna say culturally japan has the highest rate of suicide yeah in the they do world. yes they yeah. do well and like i said on the last episode it's like it's showing that when you do something like that when you commit suicide or whatever your pain just doesn't go off into the ether it just passes on to the people around you. exactly mm-hmm. right. yeah and then intensifies like you just create more pain well, yeah, he even, you know, had told she that it had been three months since she passed away, which also showed us that humans, like her being his assistant, I'd say they could probably last about 30 to 40 days before they have to be either judged or turned into the dummies. And he even shows her after three months, look at her mom still creating Grieving. extra food for her. Yes. And her room hasn't changed. Her, she yeah. Says, she, she tells her she's home whenever she gets there. Yes, exactly. It's, yeah. and she even tells her how sorry she was that she couldn't see her daughter's pain. And I like that they show Chi getting to watch her mom, go through that and i did have a question though of did was what he was showing her actually the truth or did he make it up i think it's the truth i think it is too i didn't but it was ambiguous there i felt i feel like it was the truth he took her up in the elevator i think um he was showing her what the what it was actually happening well, the reason why I, I don't ask think he is made when he snaps and it cracks and shatters away, they're in the room with all the dead dolls and shit. Right that's there, why I yeah. was asking. It was an illusion he put on. That's what I'm getting right. at is, was what he's showing actually what was happening in real time, or was it just his best could take? Could have just been a memory he was replaying, too. Yeah, it yeah. Right. And so that, that was, like, I'm not saying it wasn't real, but because we get to watch it break away, it'd be kind of like being in the Matrix and watching it all crumble away. You yeah, know what I mean? Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, true. But another thing I took away from that, too, is how when she was going through it and she was, like you are saying, it was showing the montage of people and their love and loss and things like that, you know, what they left behind. You know, I got the sense of like, you have to own the shit that you, the mistakes you've made in life. Like all of those people had to own their mistakes, whether it was suicide or the husband that killed him and his wife trying to get the But you know what's fucked up is I don't feel like they're being judged on their entire life. You know, they're being judged on how they died. And that situation, and then the the uh, pressure cooker they're put in, yeah. Exactly. And then you're being you're being 
judged on your baser instincts and well, not. And one question I would have is, uh, and I'll use as a case study of this, the the detective and the kid, right? Both of them were people who, of no fault of their own, got molded by life to yeah, be pushed broken, into a dark place. People, yeah, exactly. Of no fault of their own, it wasn't either one of them's fault that what happened. They were to actually them. both very good people before that. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, who's to say they're not? That? How do you? Are they still good people? That are, you know what I mean? How, that's yeah. the Is gray there area. Is left in them, or did they expunge it when they murdered people? Well, and I think that's why they give us Chi and Mayu. You know, Mayu's the fangirl chick. I think that's why, you know... They give us, you know, Chi with Deckham and Mayu with Ginty is they throw these two people in there that are, they're too complex to them, you know, especially, I mean, obviously with Chi, she already knows she's dead when she arrives. And with Mayu, Ginty can't fathom that she would have sacrificed herself for Haruda when they're playing the Twister game, which is why I think he ultimately keeps her around because... He can't understand it. No, he yeah. can't. Un- and that's why he's trying so hard. And at the end asks her, you know, what was your whole point of living? And to him, I think even though he found her incredible and that's why he created the doll of her, because they don't do that of everybody, just the humans that, you know, they thought lived incredible lives. I I think even though he judged her and, you know, just thought she was an idiot for still sacrificing herself for Harda up to the end. I think he almost had like a weird respect for her and that's why he kept the doll of her, you know, even though he couldn't understand it and thought she was an idiot up until her, he even says he never questioned judgments Mm -hmm. up until she showed up and then Ginty starts questioning too and i think that makes him even angrier that he's questioning his job now which he yeah. didn't give a but fuck I about do, i do wish that that had uh, either had a little bit more time to develop or if it landed more because ginty's journey for me didn't really have much weight yeah well no. i mean it's like you said it needs another season to like expand on that thing because they've planted a lot of good seeds but they didn't bear ripened fruit right is how i feel about how, the show how beautiful is the part where he sets up uh, the ice skating rink, and she does her routine. Oh, that was and that that part was fucking. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so that good. was amazing. Yeah, so yeah where he's playing the I piano. I actually had teared up and shit during. So that. did I. I got very emotional during that episode when she is going through her life and remembering everything, and honestly realizing how good she had it, but she isolated herself, and it gives weight. To just her passion for skating. Yep. So, and it, like, you can understand that if you're passionate about anything. And uh, I don't know. Just like it was, I see why it was ripped things away like that, her. music, dance, well, I, I, art, I, I artistry thought... in any way. It really shows like so passion. It does, but I also thought it was a cautionary tale because it shows that you are you more can, than your hobbies. and You thing. are more more than just... This thing that you attached yourself to. Well, yeah, and she once she lost that, she had no no, meaning to her. No meaning to her life, no sense of identity, just no nothing. You know, that was her whole life, her whole world. And once I was taken away from her, she felt like there was nothing else to live for. No friends, no family, none of the people that she cared about. And rather than 
opening up to them. That's the thing. She did have friends. She did have family. But in her mind, she didn't. Yeah. But that's what depression does. It does, yep. It It, it makes you, you... You can be your own worst enemy... And tell yourself you have no one when you have everyone. Well, yeah. I mean, you can ask Vince, you know. I, I'm i definitely, I'm the type of person, like, I don't, I don't have anxieties, really. I don't, you know, struggle with that very much. But depression is a big one for me. It's very prevalent. They go and hand in hand for me. They See, and for me, it's it's just, you know, the, the depression aspect. And I mean, there are even... Um, you know, days or I just have rough weeks that I go through and, you know, I tell Vince, I'm like, nobody loves me. All my friends fucking hate me. I don't have anybody in my life, you know, this or that. And so it's easy Vince to, goes, um, <laughs> yeah, we're so he's like, got to yeah. be the one to oh, reel yeah. you back in. And that's yeah. why you guys are good. For exactly. Each other. Because he goes, no, it's, you know, cause I know it's like, it's all in my head, but I convince myself. Under depression, you are not rational. Though. No, you're, no not. you're not. You convince yourself that nobody loves you. Everybody hates you. You have nobody in life. I mean, and it can be easy to keep yourself in your own little world that you've created and not, yep. and not see like reality. Right. I mean, and that, that shit's uh, what the, you know, what's weird is when you, uh, come to that realization about yourself is like I've done that before. I've been in like really deep depressions where yeah. I think all these horrible things, and then you kind of snap out of it, mm-hmm. and you go, "Oh, what the fuck am I even talking about? Like right. this well, is yeah. this isn't even real. I need to like be able to distinguish what's happening up here mm-hmm. and what's like actually happening because I'll have like arguments with people in my head." Yeah. Yeah. Arguments that like never fucking happened before, and I'll get myself all worked up and shit. I have that's what I mean, anxiety and shit. I yeah. I'll wake up with crazy anxiety, and I know it's gonna be a tough day, right? Because yeah. I'm just like I'm already freaking out, and I got nothing to be freaking out about. Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, this is um kind of tangentially related, but this would be a message I would give to the viewer or people listening is definitely remind yourself that you are not a machine. You are going to have days where your brain and your body are not at peak capacity, and that's okay. Yes, they're at war yeah. with each other. Like, you're well, not going to function properly all the time. Yeah, and it's exactly. okay to feel your feelings and acknowledge those, but don't make them in your entire... Like, your feelings like aren't reality. Control. Yeah, your feelings are not your reality. They are two separate things. And your feelings, of course, are always valid. You know, feel them, but don't let them overtake you or overshadow you if they you know become i your helmsman you'll just be sailing in circles oh dude yeah. yes yeah you for... know i mean even when i have my days where you know i'll be sad and lonely and feel like nobody loves me and st- you know then i'll have like a random friend or family member text me and reach out and stuff and you know and then it's like oh okay like it's just it's all in my head and when i get that way i don't reach out to people you know and and i isolate no myself one, does, one of my one of my moments that i remember that really like crashed that you know for me i was like really depressed feeling like fuck the world all this shit you know what i mean mm. and just feeling like i was a joke to people and just really bad shit like and stuck in this that fucking like you said the hell you're stuck in a vortex of fucking nonsense yep. and then i randomly get a card in the mail from my mom yep and it's a fucking card that just says simple it just says um uh, you make the world a better place. And you know, I have- and, and like or something like that. It was something like that. And it was just like 
how can I sit here and think these dark thoughts when somebody's literally giving me the opposite reason to think that? Well, and I think, you know, so like for me, I am a, I wouldn't say that I'm a religious person. I am a spiritual person and I do believe in God and having a relationship with him and stuff. And whether, whether you believe in that or not, or just some, you know, higher power or whatever, I believe things like that happen for a reason for us, you yeah, know? my mom didn't know. My no, mom your didn't. mom had no idea, but it just so happened that on that day, in that moment, you got something that you needed, you know, which is why I do, you know, like I said, whether you believe in God or not, whatever, there, there's definitely a higher power out there. There's something to the universe out there that, you know, is, like I said, in that moment is showing you like, hey, you're important, you matter, somebody cares about you, even though she had no idea that you needed that card at that moment. You got it when you needed it, when it would speak to you really? and help you the most. But you I know? Also, it was like perfect timing. It was crazy. Yeah, but I also exactly. feel like people, there are times where people have to force it out of you too. Because like when my dad died, <clears throat> Chelsea and I are just together and um, <clears throat> in the infancy of our relationship. And I remember I, I was very jaded, you know, and my dad passed away. It was part of your grief. Was I felt like it was unfair. I told Chelsea all the time. I was like, I wish it was my fucking mom, which of course now is like way fucked up now that I think about it. whatnot. Even though my mom was a worse parent, you know, like being in that mindset, well, it, 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 it's it isn't just fair. toxic, you know, it, it isn't fair, but and- I was in such a state of depression and anxiety and having that jaded kind of feeling, it almost ruined our relationship. You know what I mean? Uh Like, I became a very bitter person. You were angry. Yeah, I was just angry at the fucking world, you know? And um, it it took her to be like, hey, you know? Well, kudos to you for sticking by his side, though, and like well, yeah. helping yeah. him, but she, helping him through that. A lot of people would just leave, and like I, like, I almost did. She, she almost did, and she, she came to a, a talk with me where she was like, you know, either you can, you know, quit your fucking drinking, get out of this fucking mindset, and work on us again, or I'm fucking gone. Well, yeah, know? it's like I told him. I said, look, I said I. I will never pretend to understand how you felt losing a parent. I've never been through that. I don't know what that's like. I, I've never been to that level of grief, but it's like I told him. I I was like, you know, you've been gre- you've been angry and drinking and all this. I'm like, for three years. I'm like, okay. I'm like, you're either going to start trying to heal and move on or I can't be a part of it anymore, you know, essentially. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes people need that. Yeah, to, you need a kick in the nuts to yeah, snap you out of it. Yeah, because I unfortunately, lost what was most important to me. Yes, because at you know that time it's in my life, and still, you know. And this is, you know, this has always kind of been my, I guess, weird logical view on death that has always helped me is the fact that when somebody passes away. Yes, their life ends, but life keeps moving on without them. And you're either going to be stuck and wallow in that or you can still be sad and grieve and process, but you have to keep continuing on with the world too or you're going to end up in your own bad place because you're going to wallow in that grief forever and you can't do that. You can't die when somebody else 
does right. you know and if that and person is watching you don't want them to watch you fall into a pit they, they don't watch want you. you to get that into person despair want, what's gonna make them happy is to watch you succeed and be happy well like, and that's why i'm glad she did that because like you said had she d- just left and whatnot i would just have been another you would use that to feel it and you'd have yeah probably blamed her and i would have just been another bitter alcoholic oil field worker in wyoming you know yeah. what I mean? That's jaded. And there, I mean, I've worked with a lot of those guys in the industry out here. And it, it's sad, you know, because you can tell they're going to be stuck in that mindset more than likely for the rest of their lives. And it, and it's from a lot of different things, you know. I've worked with some guys who have had their wives cheat on them while they're on hitches. Or, you know, some guys that don't get to see their kids grow up because they're constantly gone. And so they use that as their fuel like you said for their bitter and hatred it's their catalyst when you when you literally have all the power in the world to change your situation yeah you really do it just takes effort it does take effort and let's face it we are all human and there are good people out there and there are shitty people out there and you're never going to get through life unscathed by somebody fucking you over or hurting you or you know this or that and and it's all how on you choose to process it and either let you know shape you to either be a better person and move on with that or you you know they say misery loves its company and there are so many people you know in the world like that you know I I know you know quite a few different people in different walks of life that they never let go of like one certain thing that maybe happened to them and they feel fucked them over in life and they'll never let that go and they've never been able to try to move on and be happy because they're going to dwell on something from 20 years ago that guess what honey you can't change it now why are you going to sit there and let that eat you alive when like I said life keeps moving on and you can't just get into this pit of despair and not go with it yeah yeah well it puts you in a state of pause or purgatory you 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 don't. A lot of people live your, in limbo. You don't improve. Like if you're not a lifelong learner, or you know somebody who's constantly trying to improve and just be better. You know what I mean? Then you're just you. You are. You're stuck in limbo. You're you. Like, but also this, what we're talking about, it kind of shows the flaws in the arbiter system, right? It's like. We're talking about a small portion of the complexity of human emotion right now. Oh yeah, and, I it, mean... and it's just like how could an emotion, an emotionless robot judge uh, the complexity of human emotion? Well, and yeah, they. they... The, I mean, Vince has always been a good person, but like those emotions and all that made him uh, not to be shitty. I'm just saying, like it kind of made you ugly, and oh, it made yeah. you, it made, it made you bad. angry and not pleasant to be around. It didn't make you a bad person, right? Exactly. It's just so. I mean, I think that's kind of the point of the show, and it would be nice for a season two, like Scott was saying. Yeah, uh, exactly. Just to, just to like, like we get the point of what you're trying to say here, but it'd be cool to see how this plays out. Yeah. Well, and even it'd be nice if they even like in the second season, if they did that, maybe if they brought humans with mental health issues because obviously we see that a lot of them struggled with either abuse or depression yeah and i wish they would have played more i think 
into that, you know, because let's face it, that's a huge part of our world right now. And with all of us who do struggle, whether it's with anxieties or depressions, you know, you're constantly fighting a battle in your head that nobody knows about, you know, unless we're open and willing to talk about it. And so I think the arbiters, even with like the memories and stuff, it's like, Give them the bad thoughts. Give them their feelings and well, emotions, not say, just memories they have. You know what I would do if I was going to write season two? Okay, mm-hmm. What I would do is uh, have Deckham start uh, as a personal disobedience, start having his eye, like having moments where his eyes go to human eyes and he feels and empathizes with those people and feel the reverberations of him doing that probably against everyone, you know, the... Uh, higher regimes will and really really just ripple effect everything that was happening in season one. The people that he interacts with, the other arbiters, they start to... Yeah, exactly, where what he's doing gets touches everybody. Well, you know what I wonder is... Like, so imagine being like an arbiter, but you're judging children. Uh, Oh, well, and how do you do that, too? Because in a sense... I will say in there's got to be a level for it. There has to be because you have to think and I'm I'm just going based off of. OK, so I, I watch a lot of true crime and serial killers and shit like that. OK, and you have some kids that they're very innocent. They don't understand right or wrong. They're they're just being children living their life. But then you do have certain kids like I mean, serial killers will be my best example, you know, just. You know, growing up or even those, I can't remember who the young kid was, but there was like three or four, like 13 year old boys that murdered this young one. And and so it's like when. I remember that. Yes. And so it's like when, you know, you think when it comes to judgment with the arbiters, how, how do you truthfully judge a child? Because some of them, they do have almost kind of that like, sen- you know, sense of evil about them. They you know, they're kind of fucked up in a way, or then you have super innocent children that they don't think about things like that. So how would you judge them when they don't have, I would say necessarily as like complex emotions as adults do, even though some of them are a little more developed than others. I think that would be a very hard judgment to make. Or another scenario with the serial killers and whatnot how would you judge somebody who is a serial killer? But, but they went through fucked up shit or to they, turn them into that. And or most they, of them did. Or not even yeah. that. Or they suffered from schizophrenia and it went unmedicated. Yep. You know, it's a mental health disorder. I that mean, it's a complex thing, that. dude. Like, yeah. so, And that, I think that's kind of the fucking point is they're do, taking a too simplistic line of approach to where you're just like, you, like you said, there's too many uh, shades of gray there, and they're going, it's either black, white, or gray. Like, you know what I mean? It's not, there's, but it's a spectrum, not. There not- is, you know, and especially, you know, I, like I said, we see that when Deckham finally just break. Like, when he starts sobbing, I started crying, like, during that part when he's like, so this is what sorrow feels like. And, and he gets, you know, to have that human emotion and i mean can you imagine feeling that for the very first time oh yeah well, never having he, dealt with that before and he experienced something that was a little bit different to him too because all the judgments for the most part and scenarios he had been through 
where uh, people were wronged by one, you know, one or the other. You know, they were very. He he saw kind of a uh, um, the conflict between them because of those said scenarios, like the husband and wife. But she showed him compassion when he was sobbing there, and he was like, "I'm so sorry." I shouldn't have done that. She just gave him a hug and was like, it's okay. Yeah. I, I forgive right. you. She, you also see empathy too. And he was even empathetic, I think, for her and everything he had to put her through. He finally got to feel emotion for putting them through a horrible situation like he's been doing with all the other dead people and putting them through these, you know, games that are going to, you know, break their character and so when he did that to her I think he finally got that sense of empathy which and I think that's why I cried for him because I'm very much an empathetic person I feel a lot and I feel what a lot of like people around me do too I very much pick up on vibes and energies and you know if you're gonna cry about something I'm probably gonna cry right along there with you and so I like when they show that of him because I'm a very emotional person, and so I have a hard time with people who I feel like don't show a lot of emotion or seem more kind of stonewalled because I'm the complete opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe those kind of the, I mean, and a lot of people that stonewall and shit, they went through something and decided to shut it down. Yep, they built those you know walls I mean? up, and you're maybe not going to tear them down. Maybe they weren't always like that, and it's it's an interesting show, just. I mean, well, look at really the conversations does. that's having us take right now, you know? Right. I mean, it would be an interesting thing to study maybe in like a philosophy class or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like some sort of, or even like a psychology and you've class. Been, or you, Scott, you've been in philosophy classes and stuff. I mean, I would, you, would you agree with that? I mean, so, uh, I mean, obviously there's always um, applicability with uh, moral philosophy and stuff like that when we're talking about something like this. It's just something I don't try to get into nitty-gritty depths on because if I'm like virtue ethics, deontology, and utilitarianism... Yeah, you can go down a rabbit hole. Right, exactly. If I say to you the categorical imperative and how they broke that, you'd be like, what's that? So there's unfortunately a lot of depth there to it. Um, I will say that... um, when we're talking about like deaths of others and stuff like that, you know, uh, there are philosophical systems like the Stoics uh, who um, talked about how to deal with trauma and death. So, I mean, these are definitely concerns that have existed for 2,600 years and people have been, you know, been talking about philosophy in that entire time. So it's just the problem with uh, my philosophy background is everything is summative in the sense that it builds upon itself. There is a philosopher in the um, Anglo-American tradition called Alfred North Whitehead who said all of philosophy, at least in the Western sense, is just footnotes to Plato. So, I mean, Plato is that guy who touched on everything in such a brilliant way that we're still reacting to this dude 2,500 years after he croaked. We're, you're right. just still building on yeah, so, his ideas. In many respects, yes. Because so is that like a detriment on philosophy? You no, think? God, because... no. It's 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 really just a testament to how brilliant he was, right? Um, because like, uh, so for example, if I asked you guys, do you think mathematical entities exist? What's a mathematical entity? Can you give the, me the number two? The pi. Uh, the letter I, you know, the irrational numbers. Do these? Are you things... saying those are just? Uh... I'm just asking, do they exist or do they not? Well, I think ideas 
Um, is math is, something we create, or is math something? Well, we I think discover? it's a measurement. I think we created it. Well, it's a. <clears throat> that's a we, tough and, one. And we Plato had to create has ways. An answer for that. What's we, his we answer? Tell me. No, let's we, philosophize. We, so. we we definitely created our uh, view of it, our measurement, um, but. It also works within, you know, the workings of the universe. And and when you think about it, if we're creating it and yet we're perfectly modeling, well, not perfectly, but we're modeling and mapping the world mathematically, how do the little just things in our head out out and um, apply to the world? It's like almost like ideas. And I've actually heard Joe Rogan talk about this where he's like, he feels like ideas are almost... Um, their own life forms in a sense is like we are just like antennas that um receive those and maybe those ideas are just out there in the ether in the universe and then you uh maybe some people are more receptive than others and like maybe the ideas aren't necessarily your own like so artistry and like so your ability to w create art or create a system like math or a writing system or a language or any of the things that move humanity along. It's like, are did those really just come from that person or do they come from somewhere else and then we are just the conduit for the That's what I think. Oh. I think it comes from the bigger picture of... You know, like I said, you know, depending on if you're religious or not, you know, whatever, I think there is like a bigger purpose out there and i think certain that's where we get the what idea you would of call a telos if you're in philosophy anyway i think that our um so as we start you know making further advances in medicine or science you know whether that's exploring the universe or whatever i think that i don't know if you'd want to call it fate or whatever the fuck you want to call it, but I think we realize things and learn them as we are supposed to through life. I think it's... God, how do I explain this? Like, it's not its not just these random, oh, we figured this out. I think that there is a purpose for everything, and I think we're only learning as much or unlocking certain things in our brain as we are supposed to kind of thing I almost like a weird timeline if, if you will of advancement you know oh, yes how oh. Hegelian of you yes <laughs> well no I mean I that? do I respect <laughs> that line of thinking too but like what holds me up from that is um abortions and stem cell research not to get like political with it either but you know like that is a thing that's really going on in our modern world today and there, you know, and I'm not saying I'm on either side, but you have a side of people that say, kind of like you're saying, you know, we have been given the tools and know-how of how to advance medicine in this realm that could do phenomenal things for people who have MS or people who have been in tragic accidents who have lost, you know, the use of their legs or, you know, from the neck down, whatever, Um but you have the the group of religious people that say that is playing God, and that is something that we shouldn't dabble in. And so it's one of those things where I, I don't know, you know, 
that's where I get muddled on it. You know what I mean? Because there you are could, certain you could say that advancements we could have scientifically and medically right now that people have tied to faith or their own ideology. I will say though, there are um, non-religious arguments in defense of pro-life. Uh, so. well, well, yeah, and also, I mean, you can take it further than just medicine. You could say creating ai is playing god because essentially if once you reach a certain level of that um and you create a life form something that is actually conscious i mean then at some point then uh like uh have you heard elon talk about this where like uh eventually this thing would be self perpetuating self-learning it would constantly be improving itself and eventually become a god like to us it would be a god it would be much smarter much fast like i mean it would just right. be essentially a ai god mm-hmm. and then like so then you're literally playing god like so yeah well it's but is that the is that the point of life though is to constantly evolve and become like so some would say our pursuit of technology that's like, you know, like the dwarves and um, fucking Lord of the Rings, how they were really good at mining and that kind of but thing. But then they dug but, too but, deep. But, but we, <laughs> exactly, but we, but we're like that. You know right. what I mean? It's like, that's what we're good at is innovation and creating better and better things. And mm-hmm. why, why is that? Why do we do well, that? And, and is that why... because we are... Like, we're being driven by some instinct we don't understand to create a better life form than us. And that is advancement of life. So that's where humans, where we evolve to. Do we, like, create something completely separate or do we integrate with that and become that thing? Well, and this is one of the questions of Mass Effect, hence one of many reasons why I love it is, you know, is this inevitable drive towards progress and future and creating AI what ultimately destroys us, too? But... But it maybe it is, but it also, if you look at it in the grand scheme of the universe and evolution and shit, is that just like part of the plan? Right. Or but here's the, the, but the here's plan. The, but here's the thing: if you say part of the plan, that implies a telos, which means that there's a directionality towards history and progression. And then you have to ask yourself, foundationally in metaphysics, what is the thing that has created this telos, this purpose? And true. This is why I reject uh, com- um, Marx's thoughts, because Marx was influenced by Hegel, and he presupposed that there's a telos insofar as how society is going to develop, with communism being the inevitable final state for the human uh, human beings. And I would deny that Hegelian. Uh, I'm a, an anti-Hegelian, so I would deny that, and so I would argue that communism. In or, he, he he's thinking in the sense that to become a planetary species to where we're all united, it would have to be well, a classless society. Right, is how he would exactly. Uh, so I what, mean, what's called second stage social. And there, there's something to that. I mean, I don't. I'm not saying I agree with fucking oh, no, communism no, or no, anything. No, no, no. You're. I'm good. just saying there's something to that. You look at shows like uh, Star Trek. For example, that would be a communist society in a sense. In, in oh, essence. yeah, in many ways. Or at it, least very socialist. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, it's one of those, I just mean that when you presuppose the idea of a purpose to things, it does introduce some problems insofar as where are you getting that. You exactly. Know I mean? mm-hmm. It's easy to presuppose it, but then if I tell you foundationalize it in a systematic way, kids, then most people well, fail. Well, that's why <laughs> that's why communism and that kind of shit doesn't work. It works very well on paper. 
Yeah. yeah. In real life, it's a whole lot different. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Well, and Mark's like many uh, people like this. Um, they will tell you that the current system's bad. We should throw it out, baby, with the bathwater. But then when you're like, what do we that's replace never, it with? That's never a fucking good idea. I agree. But there, you'll see this um, in pretty much any field. I've even read articles about this in librarianship where libraries are systemically racist because they oh, grew up. Off. They were, de- yeah. But we should throw the baby out with the bathwater. But then again, but then you look. Or you ask, who does the who does the library help the most? And the answer is the the impoverished, the people that uh, don't have the money to go out and get their own things. So to have a public source of information and entertainment and all those things is very beneficial. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like so. Whether or not it's rooted in racism or whatever the fuck. But you get my point is that I call it the baby with the bathwater syndrome because you'll get these people that want to tear down Just the current fuck it system, all. Yeah. but they never have a good answer of what to replace it with. They always are so good at tearing it down, but it's like, what do you replace it with? They, they is, don't know, and then, then that's they'll... That's what a hippie is. Well, this is why... <laughs> exactly, so, dude. Well, so, yeah. that's kind of where our world is at right now, where we're wanting to tear down all these different things, but it's like, well, then... What do we replace it with? What do we well, do? This is how I break up philosophers and why a lot of people are Nietzsche fans. I'm not saying he doesn't have some interesting things to say, but I don't actually hold him in high regard. Here's why. I call it positive thinkers and negative thinkers. Negative thinkers are people who attack things and take away and, and try and be skeptics of what currently exists. A positive but they have thing- zero answers towards Exactly. Solutions. And a positive thinker is a guy who's like, here are the problems with the current system. I'm going to build a brand new system that rectifies and reconciles these but problems. But we're not going to tear shit down in the meantime. Maybe we'll replace it with something better. Yeah, well, that's oh, the point like, is you're, break, exactly. you're bringing in something new into being. And so Nietzsche's great at tearing people new assholes. But if you're like, okay, well, then well, what's, what's your the answer, idea? What's the answer, dude? Yeah, his answer I find is unsatisfactory, personally. Whereas someone like Immanuel Kant, who's like, hey, here's the rationalists and empiricists, and they're both wrong. Here's brand new system as to why I can reconcile their problems. Yay. There you go. And that's why I hold Kant far higher than I would But that But that requires a whole lot of effort and stuff. It's easier to live in an echo chamber and just parrot the things well, it's, around. It's easier to be a postmodernist like Derrida or Foucault, where you just tear shit down, but you don't actually build it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's just like the whole anarchy idea. It's fucking bullshit, and everybody knows it. But it sounds fucking fun when you're 20 and impressionable. Uh, yeah, and being and just being a retard and fucking. <laughs> you're, you're, you're pressing some buttons right now. Uh, no, you know. I, it's like I tell people, uh, I if 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 you were going to ask what I believe um I you know, I guess politically whatever, I would claim that I am a peaceful anarchist, honestly. And I I won't say anything bad. I'll just say No, cuz I you. I definitely I have different <laughs> thoughts and opinions, you know. I Yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's a complex thing because I I, I am against government um, in a lot of big government. Yes, we need in, some form of. I believe that we, I believe we need some form of like okay like police force. You know, I don't believe we need to be living in a system like the purge, but I also don't believe I need an old white dude telling me what I can and cannot do with my own body. That's that's kind of my philosophy on it. Is yes, do we? 
I don't think we could descend into total anarchism. Um, you know, obviously, like we would fail. But I, like I said, though, I don't believe in old rich white dudes determining what I am allowed to do as a person with my own body or whatever. You know, and that's where I would argue you're more libertarian. Than, Pro- I guess probably yeah. then, um, you know, anarchist kinda... is going to deny that anyone has a legitimization to force. You're going to deny that anyone can legitimately be entrusted with the capacity to enforce laws, rules, and the like. That's what being an anarchist is. That I definitely was very much so. I'd say for, for most of my 20s, honestly, until mm-hmm. I got older. And... Oh, it's funny how that works. Well, <laughs> you, you know what was awesome, though, was my government. I took government classes honest. in college, and, and my teacher, he knew that I claimed you know being an anarchist and stuff and we had lots of different discussions and you know i threw a lot of things in his face that he was like yeah you're right you know we don't know how to answer this question for you you know kind of thing and so yeah you know as we you know get older i think you know our views and opinions still change but i still you know fuck the government (laughs) well yeah you know and i i would agree with that i would say i have more of a libertarian aspect on it because i feel like we do need to have laws and some order in our country, but I don't think that should be applied to us, you know? Well, yeah, I don't feel like I should have to be a certain age or have so many kids or get my husband's permission to go get my tubes tied if I wanted to or or different things like that, you know? Right. I mean, you know, I even have a thing with the government in that regard when it does come to cannabis because... You know, obviously, I understand drugs like fentanyl, morphine, oxycodone, things like that that are man-made and manufactured from an opiate plant that has additional chemicals that amplifies its effects on the human body. Yeah, those need close regulation. But a plant that grows out of the fucking ground, I'm like, what? what's the difference? I, I mean, and no one can tell me this, but I'm like, what is the difference between a fucking tomato and a cannabis plant? They're even cousins on a scientific level, like on an herbologist level. They are cousins to one another. I don't know another. if there'd be any endemic difference as to what they are insofar as how they're used. I, 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 I know that, but, you know, it's silly, like, the concept that there is a law that completely bans it. However, though, we have another plant that's actually more of a sister-brother type to cannabis called hops that we put through a fermentation process to make alcohol. Mm-hmm. And that is widely legal, not even just in our country, but across the world, that has been proven to cause, you know, significant, and I mean significant, damage Party to foul. your liver, kidneys. That, yeah. Careful, son, you almost spilled your beer. <laughs> Speaking of which. <laughs> it's just fucking going to town, dude. It is, it is just foaming it's up. super cold. Just... I hate when that shit happens, man. It's super right. cold, so it's like foaming up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I see your point on that because it's like I think that's stupid, and it's yeah, and that's just a plant, you know. Not You're even not alone, about sir. Your own body. You're not. Well, alone. yeah, I mean, you know, they're like, hey, you can drink all this alcohol you want that'll make you. By the way, have a cigarette. Out. Yeah, here's a cigarette. Here's some alcohol. You know, you could black out, choke to death on your own vomit. But huh, if you want to smoke this plant, you know, add ten pounds to your waistline. Oh, you're going to prison. This <laughs> fucking froze. 
Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's funny. You to might want to put that. Oh shit! It keeps just fucking going. He's just open to a portal of beer land, or just that keeps is, overflowing. Yeah, that's almost like a fucking <laughs> Harry Potter trick. He's just a super did fluid. He's, <laughs> have magical. you ever seen? Have you ever seen super fluid um, helium mm-hmm. or hydrogen? Is it hydrogen or helium? I think hydrogen. Yeah. Pretty sure it was on the Big does, Bang Theory. It does that. It'll like so when you hit absolute zero or close to it. Um, Isn't it beca- that what they use in Griffey's be- office? It becomes super fluid, and that means all the atoms no. in in so. in the fluid are moving exact identically all the time. So you it, normally in a fluid you have everything bumping into each other, and, yeah. but everything moves. So it's actually a quantum effect that you can see with your eyes so it's very unique in that way and like if you don't have a dense enough material to hold a super fluid it'll drain right through past the atoms in that and right out the bottom and over the sides at the same time mm. it's like it's there is zero friction in a super fluid and there's actually um some people that think that Space is comprised of a superfluid, so we're actually within a superfluid right now. It's funny how the ideas of the Aether just never leave. Because that was, <laughs> honestly, they, we've had Aether theories all throughout the medieval period, including up to the time when Einstein was positing special theory of relativity. So. Why isn't KY made a lube that's superfluid yet, then? Could <laughs> because you imagine he, that? God damn! It takes all your then. pores. We're going in the same direction. But the, <laughs> there's also, like, um, they've theorized about planets with, like, superfluids as, like, oceans. And <clears throat> so if you fell into a superfluid, like, so a super deep superfluid, um, like lake or whatever swimming pool whatever you would just fall to the bottom and hit the bottom with like there was nothing there right but also it would sleep with all the way into you and you would freeze almost instantly Ooh, cool i by the way i finished tress of the emerald sea by brandon sanderson let's chat about that which one (laughs) that book where she's riding on the spores sea uh i don't know if I've read that one. I thought I had mentioned it to you. So there's a Brandon Sanderson book about a girl who lives on a world whose oceans are comprised of spores. And they are about the size of sand grains. And when you send air through sand, it behaves like a fluid. Hmm. And so she's riding on basically a spore-filled sea that has air moving uh, from deep within the earth. And so she, they're sailing on spores. That just sounds like the last of us waiting to happen, all right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you give the spores water and they'll instantly grow and do shit. There's something similar to that. You know what liqui- liquefaction is? No. So like um, places like Florida or anywhere that's like really techno- tectonically active okay and then you have like swampy ground yeah whenever you vibrate uh anything so you could take a tray and put just enough water in it to like wet the sand and then once you add a certain frequency of vibration to it it, it'll separate and become almost like a liquid so that's why in those kind of areas Houses will straight up like sink into. Yeah, the Yeah, they just start sinking. Yep. Yeah. In like the swamps and the bayous. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's called like you can actually do that with just like a hammer and a cookie sheet and some dirt and water, and you can just tap on the table and like you can set up little um, buildings or whatever in there, and you can see it happen like in real time. Awesome. It's that's like a cool. legit experiment you can do. 
That's why they call it swamp ass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Man. Your cat's sniffing that beer. Yeah. Hopefully he gets drunk on it. <laughs> Dude, that whole beer just froze as soon as I opened it. That's Damn. It weird, That's huh? cool. Yeah. Fucked up. Bullshit. That's not cool. <laughs> That's fucking $3. So, is there... Um, I figure we've gone on a lot of tangents. Is there any way we want to kind of wrap up our thoughts on Death Parade uh, or at least um, come back so, to it? All right, I'll yeah, give so. you guys an arbiter uh, judgment to make. Okay. I kind of thought of a good one. Would you send this show to be uh, to season two or would you send it to the void? Oh, I would send, I'd it, send it to season, season two. two. Oh, I'm glad I convinced you guys. <laughs> well, I mean, you had to talk about it a little bit and explain what you were talking about. I mean, about, I always it may, felt it that way when we watched it. Like, I always felt like I, I could be okay with the ending. Maybe not necessarily satisfied, but I'm like, okay. Like, I, I, can, I can be okay with it. I'm not pissed at it like I have been, say, with certain, like, shows or movies. Because we all know that I do not like... I am not the type of person that likes open-ended stuff or draw your own conclusions. I am very I like much that kind of stuff. Kind of. I think it depends on the. I think it depends on the context, honestly, because to me there are certain stories or shit that happens where you you need that resolution. You need it to all come together and go. Okay, this is this is why I I invested my time in this, you know. And so, and there are times when shit ends, and I've invested all of this time into it and watching it. I mean, it'd be like, you know, spending all nine, you know, maybe 12 hours of like the extended editions of Lord of the Rings and them not getting that stupid ring destroyed. Or you, you get right. the fucking yeah. ending you or do there, with or Far you Cry get... 5. That too, yeah. God, Hello, my child. That. I fucking hated that ending. I hated the well, ending I of think that it's game. Kinda, I think it's kind of both with this show because you do. You get a... You get... You get an Somewhat, ending, but you, you, get, you don't. You get, you get an ending for her story, but not for the story but, at but, large. And you do get like the sense that things are going to change, and, and they're going to keep experimenting, which and, I think is kind of what they're giving you, right? And that's where a season two would come in. But you don't have to have it. It would no. be you don't have to have one to resolve point, it. I think at this point, a season two would be more fan service yes. than anything. But that's okay too. I mean. I mean, look at Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man movie. That was all fan service. That was yeah. all for and, us. And, and amazing. And amazing. So, yeah, we still love movie. them for it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you could go either way, and I wouldn't be pissed either way. I mean, they could leave it alone, and I'd be ha- completely fine with how they ended it. But it would be nice I just, to see a little more. Yeah. yeah. I just were. felt for me that I couldn't give it, like, a 10 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10. I just, it right. just... What do you give it, then? I give it a 7. I mean, you and I are very much on the same page, even when I first watched it, because I was like, except I was like Mike, where it's like, you know, I'm satisfied with how it ended, oh, I, but yeah. man, it would be awesome if there was more. It See, and I, I never considered a season two, and it's interesting to hear that point of view and like agree with it. Yeah. Uh, but I always just kind of took it as like more of a... You're supposed to think about it a little more. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a show that wants to make, make you, you think about make you think about it, and and I that's why I think everybody should watch it. Now, granted, I think we should also say like there's a lot of trigger warnings. Oh yeah, in yeah. that show of it's suicide a, it's abuse. Very emotionally yes, driven. it's very emotionally driven. So I think it could be hard but for some people to watch. Is good. I do too. I think it has a good message and a. 
you know, humans are so much more complex, you know, than sometimes I think, you know, we're, we're given credit. And, and and a lot of people can act in arbiter-ish ways. It's like you can forget that maybe the guy that's being a dick to you a little bit in traffic, he's having the worst fucking day of his life. And you're just judging him based on being a fucker and, you know, because he cut you off. Based and, on him being a dick in five minutes. You right. Know? And you just judge that person. You well, know, and in a way, you could argue that between um, Deckham and the other arbiter, I'd forget his name, but they show Ginty. Ginty, thank you. That they show that that you, on the one hand, you have someone actually trying to understand, and the other one, you have someone knee jerk judging and just being done and being it. very biased and yeah, letting exactly. his opinion of people in general cloud his judgments and here's the thing though if they're not supposed to have emotions why does he have opinions of people in the yeah, first he, place he's arguing against emotion exactly and he, like, he, he an idiot all the time he's obviously yeah. <laughs> got his own emotions and feelings on things that's what i'm saying like they all even though they say they're supposed to be emotionless they all have them even people i think just in the real world in humanity that you know there might be certain people in our lives that we could look at as emotionless or also don't oh. express a lot, but I think deep down, you know, it's like we talked about building up walls and stuff. You have people like me that wear their heart on their sleeve, and and you have people that you're going to have to just slowly chip away to even get some semblance of who they are as a person deep down. Also, I wanted to throw out there a um, something that's kind of interesting uh, in my mind. I don't think arbiters are immortal. They're, they show a point where Deckham... They appear Ginty, to age, don't they? No, it's not even that, but Deckham and Ginty were both newbies. Yep. They show they're both newbies, and I want, I really wonder how long can Arbiters handle what they're going through. I wonder how much further along Deckham is than... Um, well, because they said... Uh, uh, no, Deckham's the white-haired guy, so he yeah. he's he had, only been around for five years. Yeah, and they so, say that specifically. And so is Ginty. Is he five years too? Yeah, because Nona is showing both of them. It at flashes the back. Time. She's showing both of them at the same time what they're supposed to be doing. But Deckham, they want you to think that he's the only one that she put human emotions into. But I wonder if she did with Ginty too, and they just don't tell us. And I, my wonder is who judges the judges because at the end of the day, I don't think they're immortal because if they're immortal, Deckham should have been there since the foundation of time and space itself. And I don't get right. that vibe or maybe, at all. Maybe the old system was as soon as they start to act with too much emotion, they get rotated out for someone else and given a different job well yeah because right. like quinn she gets moved on to having to pull what she feels are i'd say the most important or viable pieces of their memories and essentially create these stained glass mm -hmm. pieces of their memories and then they throw out the rest of it you know so they move on to different jobs later on and almost less important Essentially. or like less involved yeah. jobs they're not interacting with the people yeah themselves. they're just they're, they're not the, making the judgments they're the grunts you know they're just kind of behind so the you scenes. almost get bust down you don't work your way up you work your way yeah. so down. what it feels like to me is whoever the god of that world is is just a lazy jackass who's like oculus making, yeah well, oculus well, is a lazy kind of jackass who's arbiter, just, but, yeah mm -hmm. he's just throwing these expendable things to do do his job for well them. he tells them that he is essentially like god if you will i got that vibe. yeah yeah. yeah, you know, so I think he is essentially like kind of the be all end all 
of uh, the I, Arbiters. Which is depressing. Yeah, I thought he yeah. was a dick. I thought he seemed to me like a short-sighted, arrogant prick. and I Stuck like, in the old ways. And he exactly. is, and that's why I think you get Nona, who she starts questioning it, which in turn then the Arbiters start questioning it. And finally, you have all these people underneath that were robotic just doing their day to day this is my task i get up i do this that's how i do my day and now they're starting to question well why do i do it why am i judging like we said ginty in those five years he never questioned anything until mayu showed up for him and then he starts questioning things and i think that makes him almost even angrier in a way that she made him question what he's doing when like you said he was kind of like that hair trigger just you're going to the void. Like he didn't give much thought to it. And she made him, I think realize, I think she was the human for him that made him realize they have more complex emotions than what he gave them credit for. And that's, uh, by the way, people can be like that too. It's like, you can get attach your ideas and what you feel like your beliefs are. And you can be unmoving in that. And then you can, when it's obviously better to be malleable, Right. And just like realize when you might be wrong about something and be able to change your mind and be able to do that without thinking that diminishes you in some way. Well, I think that speaks very heavily to the world we live in today, because let's face it, so many people in our society, they are their whole identity. So with her, her whole identity in life was being a fangirl of Harada and and his boy band. Or the other chick, her whole identity was figure skating. You know, and so many people now, your whole identity is, it could be your sexuality, your political beliefs, your Harry Potter house. You know, it it doesn't matter. You know, but it's true, though. So many people now are basing their identities off of one little, you know, that could be, you know, like me, for example, like my whole identity could be my love of, you know, grunge music or whatever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But but there's so much more to me as a person and the things that I love. And I think they kind of show Almost how sad it is in life when you base your whole essence off of just one small thing about you when there's so much more to us than just you identifying yourself by this one thing you really connect with. There's so much more to us than just that. And I think, and I really think that's kind of what the show is telling you, you know? Yeah, well, well, and it's really interesting. Like, it seems like Ginty takes his job a lot more serious after her. Because before he judges her, he gives her, I feel like, two important tests. And, I mean, she ultimately fails. But the first test is, like you were saying, where it's that kind of a cameo with light from Death Note. You know, he's like, would you sacrifice this man? Now, you have no clue how he got here, the life he lived, anything like that. For this person, would you do that? And she does, but then in the elevator, before he makes his final judgment, because he's like, what's the meaning of your life? And when she's just singularity, just in that, oh, yeah, he is. It's all about him. You know, like, that's where I feel like Ginty, he's going to start making better judgments. Whereas before, like, when he first started that game of Twister with him, you know, he's sitting there reading a magazine, kind of just fucking off, you know, not really 
putting any he doesn't watch him like Deckham does exactly but then in that instance you know he's giving her actual tests of character there and um he's not like quick to just be like into the void with you exactly well yeah he had to keep her around he couldn't judge her right away there because she was willing to sacrifice herself for Harda and then he was like oh I have to keep her around, even though we don't realize at that point that he's already sent Harda into the void. We don't realize that until later when she's like, what's wrong with him? And you realize his soul is gone. It was but sent. But then he starts to wake up. Yeah. Right before. Or at least the bot, the doll's eyes open. I think that's because she's going into the void where his soul already is. It's already existing there. So I think as they get closer, that's why his eyes kind of open up and you see Kind of their souls like go together. He almost kind of sent I, them together in the void. And I think that was like the soft part of Ginty. I though. think so too. He did kind of hook her up because he knew yeah, he couldn't bring dude back. So he's like, this is the next best thing for is you. Is sending her into and the void. And she would have chose that. She Let's be clear. She would have chose that. If he would have yep. If he would have said, hey, you can go or be reincarnated or you can join him in the void. She totally would have chose the void. That was her whole life. And for her... That was good enough. Because she, there's no reason yeah, to reincarnate I mean, if he's not going to be and around. And she even tells yeah. him that, you know, she's like, maybe to you it's pathetic that I lived my whole life for him. But she's like, that was my life. And, and I chose I, it. I chose living my life this way. And I, you know, and so I wonder. And there's, there's strength and um, something to be admired by that. At least she was steadfast in what she believed until well, up until the end. let's face it, so many of us, we would think people are probably idiots for being hardcore fangirls or boys like making their whole life about this one celebrity (laughs) throwing you know like following them around yeah i remember watching shows there was an old show on mtv about these like fan people that would like follow these celebrities everywhere and constantly try to get pictures of them and different things like that and it's like well I guess if she wasn't hurting anybody or herself and it made her happy, I guess if that is what you want your whole existence to be, go for it. And so, and I even wonder if maybe Ginty ever had any regret in the end of sending her (coughs) in, but maybe he didn't though. Like we said, that could have been his last little soft piece of him was sending her with him into the void. Cause even at the end, when she realizes that he sent her to the void She's still almost like happy that she's with Harada, though, you know? Yeah. yeah. That that's where she ended the void with him, and they kind of become this weird, like, one kind of soul thing at the end. You know, you see kind of both their lights go together, and it's like, well, they might be, you know, having horrible, like, fears, anger, anxieties, falling forever in the void, but she's fallen with him, I guess. So that probably made her void she happy. Would, she'd be happy in yeah, that. Yeah, she'd be okay with that. Right. Yeah. Well, we are at the end here. Uh, this has been a really good one. Yeah, it has. This has yeah. been a good episode. Um, we have no idea what we're going to cover next, but it'll be a surprise. Yeah. Um, you guys will find out when we do. Yeah, we got to talk about it. <laughs> a yeah, bit. suggestions. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Sweet. I always do. Okay, okay we'll talk about them. Well, <clears throat> I think that's it for this episode. Take us away, Vince. All righty, guys. And uh, 
emos alike. Sorry about the intro there. We love you. Uh, MCR be, for life, it bitches. Could be a, it could be a Black Death Parade, <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of The Comic Zone presents Dragon D's Balls. Check out our thecomiczone.com for episodes of the main show and previous episodes of Dragon D's Balls, as well as our YouTube channel, um, of the main show, we've got the actual nitty gritty video so you can see our faces live and personally. And uh, yeah, check us out on uh, all the other platforms Facebook, Instagram, whatever you like to uh, get your stuff from. Hell yeah. And I think that's it. Yeah. Stay black, homies. Keep, Keep it, it black. black.